recently did a show on testing for glyphosate and come to find out the beer that I really like to drink contained a whole lot of glyphosate and so I was very bummed out about that. I really don't want to consume Roundup. I'm not sure who wants to. And there's so many things we don't know about this uh, chemical and all of these studies that Monsanto put out I mean when you're going by the data provided by the chemical company itself I mean how much stock can you put into that I'd say zero so once I found out that I had glyphosate and all my delicious beer you know and I've had that brand here uh, for the past couple of years now since I've moved to Missouri and so there's no question in my mind that I've got glyphosate so I'm not even going to do the hair test because I know what it's going to show because I drink beer daily so I had to come up with a different... Well, I could probably quit drinking beer. <laughs> I could quit drinking beer. Yeah, right. So I had to come up with a new way to get away from the glyphosate. Because we're pretty clean otherwise. We don't... You know, all of our food comes um, from mostly locally sourced uh, meat. Well, all locally sourced meat and locally sourced vegetables. And we don't eat any processed food. So, all I've got left to do is come up with a way to get clean beer. And actually, when I was doing some research, I found out that a lot of the beers from Europe are glyphosate free you can find out which uh, beers are glyphosate free on the internet and I found I found three or four that I could get here locally but they're in uh, Ho Gardens one of them I like and it's in a bottle and come find out the bottles are 11.2 ounces now so you're paying the same price for a 12 ounce bottle and so that's a bummer so I need a way to have glyphosate-free beer without it costing me an arm and a leg and me having to take a whole lot of bottles back down to the recycling center because they're heavy. And so there's a local brew store down there in Springfield. And I went down there and I said, look, do you have any organic grain? And he said, yeah, I do. And... He had this grain, I think it was from Belgium. So I should have bought it on the spot. I don't know why I didn't. But I didn't. And about a week or two later, I went back down there to pick up a bag of those grains to take with me. And the guy wasn't there. 
and there was a stand-in working that day it was a saturday and the owner was away at a festival downtown and so he wasn't as knowledgeable as the owner was and so i left there with a bag of grain that was from germany and since it was european i was pretty confident that it would be glyphosate free so i got it home and I've always been a, uh, a kind of a malt ex- extract brewer, which is, if you're not into home brewing, if you are, you know what I'm talking about, but if you're not, it's like this, instead of taking the barley and uh, breaking it up and creating a mash and making a, a wort out of it, malt extract kind of skips that step for you, and it's all... Um, it's like a reduced, uh, it's the sugar that starches eat, but it's already reduced for you, and it comes out like this real thick syrup. It's like honey. It's like a really, really thick honey. And I just bought a 32-gallon uh, jug of malt, dark malt extract that I made a coffee porter from. No, I'm sorry, a coffee stout and a porter a chocolate porter and after I got the glyphosate test I went ahead and tested those beers and kind of find out that malt extract was heavily contaminated with glyphosate and I'd already drank one keg and then I drank the other keg too because well, the beer was delicious. So sadly, I've got a you know half a thirty-two gallon jug of dark malt extract that I can't even use because it's so heavily contaminated with glyphosate, and that came from uh, I think I think that was from maybe was Wisconsin, I'm not sure, but anyway, in the Midwest. And so I went ahead and I got my grains home from the brew store and I made a I made a batch of uh I made it like an IPA anyway. The other night I, I was feeling frisky so I decided to test it for glyphosate and I ran it through the uh test kit and it was looking promising and I thought I was going to be contamination free. It takes a while for those little uh, test strips to develop. And the next morning, I got up and I looked at the test strip again. And damn it, it had glyphosate in it. So now I'm back to square one. But I'll tell you something. There aren't any GMO grains out there there's the the main gmo crops are soy corn sugar beets um that's far enough i don't even know what the rest of them are off the top of my head but the point is since there isn't any wheat 
any grain non-GM or any grain GMO crops. The the reason they've got glyphosate on stuff that if you put it on the plant, it will kill it. But what they do is they wait till the plant is grown till it's fully mature where they're about to harvest it. Then they spray it with glyphosate so it kills the plant so they can harvest it faster. That's the rationale. It makes no sense to me, to tell you the truth. I mean, what? How, how much longer would you have to wait? But anyway, that's why it's all in the Cheerios and the Frosted Flakes and the Ritz Crackers and everything else you can eat out of the grocery store, which you shouldn't be eating in the first place because that shit is junk. It's not food. It comes from a factory. It's not food. Nonetheless, you see all these people coming out of the box stores, out of the Home Depot and the Lowe's, carrying these five-gallon jugs of this consumer-grade Roundup so they can go put it out there on the enemies in their yards. And I had a neighbor that used to do this all the time. And one day I was out on the porch having some wine, you know, just enjoying listening to the helicopters and the sirens in urban Atlanta. I heard something going on over to the side of the house. So I stood up and I looked and it was my it was my neighbor. He's out there with his roundup spraying the living hell out of his property, which he was wont to do. So I had a little garden off on that side of my house that I was growing tomatoes and, oh, I probably had strawberries, maybe some beans. Who knows what I had growing over there. And between our two houses, I don't think there was a, I don't know, I don't think it was 25 feet. And so anyway, on the property line, it was probably six feet, you know, where the imaginary line was to to my house and his was the house was a little bit further he had a little bit more space than I, I did so i stood up i said hey how's it going you know i just wanted to keep talking to him while he was over there spraying that stuff so i was making sm- small talk because i didn't want him getting all you know wild with his spray and have it blow over and get all my tomatoes and all of my stuff and so I was talking to him the whole time and just making small talk. And then he got finished and went away. So I was over tending to my tomatoes the uh, next day or so. And I, I happened to look over there. I knew something kind of looked funny over there on his side. And he had been over there spraying dandelions. And so one of these dandelions that he had sprayed... I'm not kidding you. It had sprouted up like a foot and a half in the day. And over the course of the next three or four days, I, I was watching that dandelion, and it ended up being about five or six feet tall. Now, I'm not joking. 
And so I was watching this thing and what what it was how it was responding to being poisoned. And when it was all said and done, it topped out it was about six feet tall and it flowered. And so you know it after it flowered, it it would have uh, you know it it would have put its pollen out into the you know, into the air, so it would have done its work to propagate itself, you know. It was funny that with all the poison that had been sprayed on it, it it took this really weird growth process, grew up six feet tall, managed to flower, and then managed to put its pollen out there, and so you know, thwarted the roundup in my book. This is exactly what it did. And, you know, all he had to do was bend over when the uh, dandelion was, I don't know, ankle high and pull it up out of the ground and drop it right there. He could have pulled it up and threw it over on my plants. I'd have been happy. It would have been, you know, extra nutrient for my garden but you know he's lazy and feels like you know he's in mortal combat with the the environment so and that's really what people i think they've got some kind of a gives gives people like like they're unless they're out there spraying something they don't feel like they've accomplished anything you know it's a weird um it's a weird phenomenon but i'll never forget that little dandelion well it turned out to be this weird uh mutant dandelion at the end of everything but yeah that dandelion went through its full life cycle in i don't know just a matter of days and and uh fulfilled its mission on earth And I almost forgot, I also tested, we have some non-GMO whole corn that we feed to our pigs. That's a locally sourced product. And I wanted to test and find out if that really was up to snuff. And so I gave that a test a little while back and come to find out that was clean. So I was very happy with that. And I also get some non-GMO chicken feed from the same place, so I decided to test that as well. And that turned up positive for glyphosate, and that did not make me happy. And so now I'm using, well, first, I would say in all likelihood, those uh, grains that they're using in the chicken feed, they're more than likely, I don't think that they're, GMO, I think what the problem is is that they're using glyphosate as a defoliant after, you know, right before harvest, and that's getting into the feed that way. Um, It's easy enough. I'm going to use the same uh, non-GMO corn to make my own feed using some some of the corn, some 
sunflower and a couple of other things and chicken feeds all about having a certain protein level i think 12 to 15 percent is supposed to be optimal from what i've been able to ascertain so it's not it really to tell you the truth the uh non-gmo chicken feed was costing nine dollars per i'm sorry nineteen dollars nearly twenty dollars per bag and i can get the whole corn for i can get the whole corn or the crushed corn for eight dollars a bag so I'm just mixing up my own feed now, and I think I'm coming out ahead, to be honest with you, because the uh, price of the the chicken feeds kind of through the roof, and I, I can pretty much mix up my own stuff for less than that. So speaking of feed, it's about 4.30, and it's time for me to go slop the hog, so I shall return. Well, it's been raining all day today, and those are the kind of days that I like to do podcasts on when I can't get outside and work. And so I'm doing a podcast today, but I just came back from slopping the hogs, and they were out in the woods because it's raining. But they heard me, and I heard them going into the... I I feed them in the barn because that's where the feed's at, and obviously it stays dry under there and i've got them pretty much trained to come up we have nine uh nine pigs and one sow and they're about three quarter of the size of elsie the sow so they've got a good ways to go they're ossiball pigs and they're they're not putting on a whole lot of growth real fast i was hoping we could um butcher one this winter but i know it's going to be closer to spring and then honestly i'm not even sure if that's going to be completely the right time either but you know it's gonna it's gonna have to do because after that it's just gonna be too too hot to try to do anything here on the farm one of the other things we've got going on we went over to uh lebanon back in i think it was august late july we picked up our our ducks and chickens got whittled down by a fox and i think we were down to two hens and we got down to six ducks so we went over to see if we could make our flock a little bit bigger get some chicks over at cackle hatchery it's probably 30 minute drive for us so we went over there one day and walked into this little storefront there all the people on the girls on the phone are in the you can see them as you walk in the store and they had uh they had two three batches of chickens there and there was two kids two boys in the front teenagers and they kind of a little bit space cadets and so we ended up getting i think we got six chicks supposed to be six hens we also got two guineas because we haven't had any guineas before and so a report on the guineas and the hens the hens at this point in time are almost grown i think i don't think it'll be too much longer before they start laying the guineas grew really fast and they're very noisy um if you walk around 
they will certainly start making all kinds of a ruckus. They're like an alarm system, I guess. But we recently discovered that the two idiots that were working that day gave us, out of the six hens that we thought we had, we ended up with three roosters. You know, actually, I believe we bought six uh, chicks that day, but when we got home, it ended up these knuckleheads had put seven in there, so we got one for free, but he was probably a rooster too. So pretty soon, I'm going to have to call a couple of roosters, but we are going to keep one, and I'm not really disappointed that we have three roosters now because we have never had one before and it's going to be nice to be able to raise our own chickens without having to buy them from the store and so we're kind of looking forward to it in that aspect and obviously we'll put the other two roosters in the freezer it's just going to be a waiting game to try to see who's going to become the dominant rooster i've seen them going at it with each other a little bit they're not quite to the point of maturity yet their combs are just now starting to come out and their beards are just i don't know what you call that but you can see that thing under their neck kind of like a turkey beard starting to show up but you can definitely see where the spurs are coming out on their legs of the six ducks we have only two are laying so I'm not completely sure that those other four are going to continue or start back laying. I'm just not sure that the breed is right. We were getting like eight eggs a day this time last year. Then they pretty much stopped all summer long. Well, they molted. And now we're getting two eggs a day. But we don't know which ones are laying. So it's hard to know which ones could be cold as for the chickens i've got one good layer right now that we got in the spring out of four she was the only one that survived and i have a a, a wyandotte who just started just came out of molting she was laying pretty good too and then, then she stopped when she started molting. So I think I heard her lay the other day, but I don't know. She she hides her eggs well. And hopefully these chickens are going to come online pretty soon. I'd say within a month, month and a half. They are pretty well along. So hopefully the egg production is going to pick way up here pretty soon. And it's... We've we've really had a long uh, dearth of egg production. Like over the summer, we we really didn't get any eggs. We were having to buy eggs, and that <laughs> that really sucks too. Because those chickens that fox got were they were putting out. And that fox, I walked up to the barn one day. The ducks were going off. And I walk up to the side of the barn, and the fox is looking the other direction. I walk up, he's looking off toward the east, doesn't see me, and there he stands. He's he's the color of rust, probably about thigh tall, with uh, black socks. And 
I tell you, he he saw me turn around, and he was out of there after that. But, you know, they cleared some property right beside us, and we had not had, we hadn't lost any birds at all. And I will say this, our birds were going out into the pasture. They were, they really were free range. And, and I'm talking, you know, 50, 60 yards outside of the, uh, the poultry yard and we had gotten a little lax on trying to maintain their boundaries and you know we paid the cost for that and so that that fox really ate well there for a while he got she got three chickens and uh, maybe it was four chickens and two ducks but i tell you what it it's a loss man because you're used to getting eggs, you've got a lot of uh, feed costs in these birds. You got a lot of time and effort in these birds, and then all of a sudden you see a pile of feathers one day, and you know your egg production goes down, and it's a loss. It hurts, and <laughs> you think that you know you've lost. You've lost a family member from a predator, and it puts your mind on a completely different mental stance when it comes to dealing with predators. Because after we uh, lost all of those birds, you know, if I'd have had a clean shot, I would have, I would have put some lead in that fox. Those were our, you know, those were our family members who were putting out and you know i think this go around we're going to be real a lot more diligent about trying to keep the birds inside of a inside the fence um if we can do it i I could not keep those other chickens inside the fence to save my life and i was you know putting barricades and everything else and they were they'd figure out they'd They'd find the barricade, and then a couple of days later, they'd find a new way to get out. And I went around the whole perimeter with chicken wire, but no matter what, it just didn't seem to work. And, you know, I paid the penalty. A funny thing happened one day. I was coming up from the pond, and I saw that fox standing there. And so I ran up there, and it backed off, put about 40 yards between me and itself. And it was right there at the crowd, on the outside of the crowd. And we had that big old black pig here at the time. And she charged that fox and ran it down into the pasture a little bit further. She couldn't get out of the pen, but it scared that fox enough to some distance between itself and the hog. And she was looking out for everything else there, knowing that that was a predator so it was interesting to see that dynamic, knowing that the the hog is aware of the fox being out of place and, and a danger. So that's just a little update from out here at the Calant Empire in the Ozarks. So there you have it, a little update from the Calant Empire out here in the Ozarks. Be good, y'all. <laughs>